And welcome back to another Love It or Leave It from Pod Clubhouse. I'm Sheila, and today I have Gabby and Inez here with me today. How are you? Hi, we're great. Excited to be here. Yay! Yes, beautiful day in this neighborhood. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, so here today, we're diving into Amazon Prime's new season for Modern Love. It's back now for season two. The season dropped on Friday, August 13th. I don't know if that's ominous or not. But uh, so it's around a month ago. Yeah. So we're here to talk about that today. So what is new and exciting with the both of you? So what's new and exciting with us? We are actually working on our very own podcast that we're going to drop very soon, hopefully. That's exciting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Content creating right now. Um, So that's cool. And it's. Uh, it's it's basically going to be, you know, inviting our listeners to join us in our journey of uh, re-getting to know each other as sisters. We had, um, you know, a bit of a hiatus, and we've decided that it's really fun to bond over TV shows, and we happen to have a lot more in common as adults than we thought we did as children. So, um, yes. Oh, my gosh, it's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of, like, complex and dynamic, but all in, uh, in good spirit as we, like, watch... And rate TV shows and movies, just like everyone else. <laughs> That's really great because it's it's really cool to find out as adults that you like are really good friends with your siblings, right? Yeah. You wanna you wanna add to this, Inez? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, just kind of real quick, kind of background on Gabrielle and I. You know, we we've um, I've known her now since 1992 <laughs> um did make my big debut that that year yeah <laughs> so happy about it um but yeah we just kind of had you know would we come from a, a very specific kind of background that didn't lend itself to kind of um, being, you know, free thinkers. And and, uh, and so we both kind of ex- experienced our childhood lives very differently in our little silos. And so we've we've kind of come together. And also one of those areas of contention between us right. always, was always that we never really had like alignment on our shows and movies that we yeah. watched. like. I would actually oddly enough yeah this was like a deal breaker for a while (laughs) yeah like I just couldn't enjoy I just like stopped going to the movies I just could not stand like she just was always like so hateful against all the movies that I loved and I didn't understand the stuff that she she loved so she's not remembering she is (laughs) all I remember is that I actually um, am on the spectrum and the autism spectrum and so yes the way that I 
understood things and expressed them were a little more concrete and rigid that she would have liked. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So this is, yeah, this is a new, like, area that we're exploring. Um, You know, Gabby's just recently diagnosed uh, as being on the spectrum. And so kind of just entering all of these childhood conversations again. And then our perspectives... Yeah, and, and perspectives on these movies and how we interpret stuff. It's just been, like, really enriching. Um, and so, you know, we thought it would be a really great platform for anybody out there who's kind of, you know, who's the dreamers, the people who are, like, the seedlings, the people who, like, want to nurture and grow their mind and just kind of, like, intentionally understand human behavior, human connection, especially, like, if they're neurotypical, engaging with the neurodivergent individual. And so it's just been really exciting as we have these kinds of conversations. So I'm excited that uh, we're able to continue, like, contributing as podcasts contributors to um, Pod Clubhouse as we're building out our content and prepping to launch our platform. So thank you for again for having us. So wait, yeah, Gabby, now, is this your first podcast with us? Yeah, definitely oh, it is. Well, an extra, extra special welcome. No, <laughs> thank you. No, but an extra special welcome to you. Uh, we're very happy to have you both here. So like I said, we're going to talk about Modern Love from Amazon. And so if you're not familiar with our Love It or Leave It format, so we're going to talk about the show. Uh, the beginning half of this podcast is going to be in somewhat generic terms, and you're going to give you our verdict on this. And then we're going to warn you that we're going to start talking about spoilers. We're going to go in-depth into the season, and we're going to give you a final verdict on whether you should love this or leave it. All right, so Gabby, why don't you take us in? Why don't you tell us what the show is about? What's the premise of this show? All right. Well, trying to keep it as vague as possible, this wonderful (laughs) show called Modern Love is um, a series of stories based on a New York Times column where these stories were submitted by um, different individuals. And yeah, at least to me, some of them do probably seem like they're they're true or, um, you know, personal stories. So that's pretty special. Yeah. So, I I mean, this is season two so we're going to assume that most of you that you know have arrived here have seen season one so this basically follows that same premise right so Inez talk to me a little bit about the cast uh for we'll talk more about season two I suppose because right that's tell, what tell me doing. what you thought about the cast <laughs> I mean yeah, yes as Gabby said they are individual stories but the, the cast is definitely a job yes. for someone who knows nothing about this show right tell yes me yeah, I absolutely love the cast. You know, I think that's, that's one of the big, like, great impressions that I got from watching season one was just seeing this rock star cast. And so I was really excited to see this kind of continued surprise going into each episode. You know, there's just so many actors in here that I absolutely love. Um, and it's hard for me, uh, and as I was, as, as we'll probably explain experience throughout this you know where i i start to i we gabby and i tend to reference them um by right, as our popular characters. characters name so yeah so i, I might have to like google <laughs> google some of these names but i recognize them i know them and i love this cast i think like just with like this uh, amazing performances um all the way through right that's what i love about seeing these big names is that it does like at least for me, it does kind of ensure quality. <laughs> no, that makes sense for sure. So, so some of the people who, as a first like billing to just, I mean, it's it's hard to even pull out like you know who were the bigger stars, but 
Well, here, here we go. For season two, some of the high-profile cast members that we've got. We've got Kit Harrington. Who do we know that's from? We know him from? Game of Thrones. But I had my eyes on Mini Driver, yes. Mini Driver. I I mean, I'm I'm a little bit older than you, Gabby. I made my debut several, several years before you. So I know her from way back in, like, her, like, movie debut of Circle of Friends. Aww. Do you guys even know that movie? (laughs) No, I don't, and I'm disappointed. I need to look it up right now. If you liked liked her in, in Modern Love, you will love her. In Circle of Friends with Chris of O'Donnell. Course. It's and like everything from the mid-90s. I want to say like 94, 95. Oh my god, yeah, I see it. 95, her with Chris O'Donnell. Yes, yeah. that's... I'm so, on it. Yeah, so we got Minnie Driver, who who's, you know, like a, a love from way back. She was in GoldenEye. She was singing in GoldenEye. It was amazing. Yeah, um, I did like her singing. We got Tobias Menzies. I have to say, I was actually a little worried when I was like going into his episode because I've developed such a bad <gasps> taste in my mouth about him. What? What? No, elaborate, please, because he was he was my biggie. That was the most exciting for me. I, well, I love him. I watched The Crown, right? So he plays yeah. Prince Philip yeah, and, and he's prickly and persnickety. <laughs> and then I watched Outlander where he plays Captain Blackjack Randall and he's just like the okay. most of humanity. <laughs> so I was Did you watch Rome? Yes, I did, yes. But I needed this as a palate cleanser to remind myself oh my that he is, he is not his characters, right? That he is this quality <laughs> actor so who's, well. who, yes, who, who does his job very well. So that episode is definitely a high point for me without giving away a spoiler. We have Anna Paquin as well. Oh, yeah. That she was really kinda, refreshing. She kind of like gets lost in the middle of the episodes there. But I mean, like her episode that she she plays this mother and she's a really quality actor. We also Yeah, have- I really appreciated her presence in that yes. one. It was just so calming. And I do love that about this. Like these big name actors, it's not that like cliche, like they're trying to steal the spotlight sort of vibe. So I did really appreciate that, like, especially with her character in this one. She was really muted, like, like very understated, and I think that's what made it so powerful for me. Mm-hmm. And then we have Lucy Boynton. Do you know who she is? No, I'm not familiar with Lucy. She plays Mary, who is Freddie Mercury's friend slash love interest yes, for life. Yes, I do Bowie know her. Rhapsody. And as soon as I saw her face in the in the in one of the trailers, I was like... Oh my god, yes, okay, good, she's she's in this. I loved her in, in Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought she was just a really sweet presence, and I just loved her little bookish, little bookworm yes. presence yes. here. And it's yes. just, you know, even just to dive back into last season, you had Tina Fey, you had John Slattery, Anne Hathaway, Ed Sheeran for a hot second, and Andy <laughs> Garcia, right? I mean, you just like, so... The fact that they mm-hmm. had this continuity of actors, and I think, Gabby, you're the one who said it, that it ensures quality mm-hmm. in going forward. So you have all these big names. So I was I was here for it. As soon as I saw, like, I opened up the first episode with Mini Driver, I was like, yes! Yes, yes. And yeah, the Lucy Boynton um, episode really... Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed being in her mind. And at least for me, this character, she really shined in it for me. Like, I saw more of her presence, I felt. Like, I don't, I haven't seen her in much, but I did yeah, really this, enjoy the new. This was a way to, like, highlight her. Because yes, in Bohemian right. Rhapsody, she was much more of a supporting character. But for me, she was a very large presence when she was there. So I liked this, the fact that we got to see, like, kind of, like, see inside her head a little, too. And that that's more to the narration of her, of her character. 
I feel like I could also appreciate that there were episodes in between some of these big name actors where I didn't really know um, these actors or much of what they went through. So I think that just kind of by design of how they're going to integrate like new talent or promote like existing talent that we might not have touched on had it not been for some of these big name people, like really bringing that quality and that credibility to um, that we were going to have these authentic, um, raw experiences. So I thought that was a really smart strategy. So Inez, tell me, what drew you to this series? And did you watch season one? Oh, I I did watch season one, and uh, I can directly thank Gabby for that. Um, she watched it, and um, and Gab- Gabby's an empath, uh, so she was just really feeling it, and she just told me, like, Inez, you have to like this is an important show that you need to watch um and so i gave it a shot and i and i did i fell in love with it i fell in love with like a lot of like the honesty i fell in love with just the creative um storytelling i love how dynamic it is you know it's just a very you know it just showing like the vast complexities of all forms of kind of like human connection. And I really love that. I think because I'm still like getting to learn who I am in this kind of present day environment and then like where I want to go. And so it was just kind of really great to get this new, like natural sociological like data from my community. And like, I felt like that's what I gain out of this show. So that's my vibe. That's awesome. How about you, Gabby? What drew you into this? So how did you find out about it in order to tell your sister to go watch it? Oh, goodness gracious. The title, of course. That's me. I judge everything by the title, and then I give it a chance. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, and then I, you know, live with no regrets, even if I end up hating something. But, of course, like, this was a gem, and I absolutely demanded that she watch this. I demanded it for for months, and the I mean, what drew me in was the title and what kept me were the raw emotions and the absolute ride that I go on with every single freaking episode. I enjoy that in one episode, I feel like a whole spectrum of emotions that my mind and soul have to offer. I'm smiling. I am bawling. I am crying from happiness. I'm crying because of a tragedy. I'm like laughing out loud. That doesn't happen often. So what drew me in was the title and what kept me, I suppose, was the quality writing and um, acting. I too, I, I watched season one and I hadn't really heard about it. And I was at the time writing for Pop Culture Review who Mike then became part of Pod Clubhouse, so that that's how I got. You know, that was my path here. So he had asked me to you know check it out and see if it was something that I might want to cover for Pop Culture Review, and we had screeners access. I feel like it was for like the first six episodes, and I didn't know how long like we had. I was I was so young that I was so green. I had no idea. I didn't know how long <laughs> we would have screeners access for. So I binged all six episodes that were available. It turns out there was eight in the series. Um, of course. I binged them all in one night and I was like, my husband's like, are you okay? Cause I was literally sitting on the couch, like sobbing oh. to myself. Cause I was just like, it was, just, <laughs> it was so much emotion and so much. And then I was like, the next day I was like, I really love the show. I'm like, I feel seen. I feel validated. I feel yeah. invalidated. Like it's yes. making me feel all the feels. And I was like, I love it. I, you know, I love season one. So um, he's like, well, we have screeners until it's out. Like, it came out, like, two weeks or so before. So he's like, take oh your time God. and digest it. I was like, okay, thank God. 
because I didn't think I could do that again. So I started like, you know, piecemealing out these, these different episodes and it just became yeah. such like a little personal journey for me because I've either been in situations like that mm-hmm. or like helped people through situations like that. So it was very honest. It was very emotional. And I think, Ines, I think you said it was like raw emotions. I'm like, that's exactly what I had in my notes. It was just, it, it gutted you because they are so relatable. And I think because it's not your, I'm going to do air quotes, like your traditional like rom-com. These are real right, stories. Right, they're authentic, right? Yes, they're, they're, there's levels of detail in there that just hit this home in such a way that you just know that you're watching something that is special. It's quality. It's quality production. It's quality writing. And the acting we've already talked about is so top-notch. So, yeah, I was, I was here by assignment for season one, but I'm back because I'm just like, hey, hey, guys, we need to cover season two. We fell in love. <laughs> we did. are fans. I, 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 I'm I'm a hardcore fan and I'm lovers. Just, I, I need to find people who enjoy this just as much as I do. We don't we don't talk too much about season one, but if you have a highlight from season one, what what would you say if I had to ask you real quick, what was your favorite episode? Okay, Gabby Go. My favorite episode is definitely the first and I'm yes, the first episode, um, because that was the best way to really hook somebody in into anything it was so unconventional it was so sweet to me that is a really beautiful representation of what modern love is which is it doesn't have to be romantic it is just it's it's in the air it's in a smile it's in someone knowing you it's in someone caring about you that someone you know can be close to you but not know all the details of your life like that those those small connections i think that the first episode really capitalized on that and and really exposed a lot of people to something that is so unconventional but so um like exquisite and raw and true and authentic and that one was the when the doorman is your main man, right? Yes. <laughs> that was very sweet. How about you, Inez? Which one was your favorite from season one? I don't know if it's my favorite one uh, because I, I, I haven't like digested it a whole lot, you know, in preparation for, for this podcast. I really enjoy like I feel like I look back on the episode where the same sex couple um, are hosting the surrogate in their home i just loved the cast i loved the character development i loved the laughing that one took me on like a lot of rides and uh and and i think really fondly on it i think that every time that i think about modern love if i see season one like that's the kind of like the episode that i tend to kind of be drawn to where ed sharon had a really like fun role (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that's so I my think that vote. Was I called hers as a world of one. I think that was it. Yeah, and Andrew Scott was one of those. Um, oh, in the couple, one of those yes. characters. That and he. Oh my goodness! Yes, I'll give you quickly. Just my favorite episode from season one was uh, where Cupid is the prying journalist with the sort of like sliding doors reality of the the journalist um interviewing the the tech mogul and he oh yeah yes and you know he takes her on his journey and i said this one really just like really resonated with me because i'm more in the boat of the second couple right julie and she finds uh her her long lost lover he comes to find her in the bookstore i i'm i'm now at that end of the spectrum where you have time decades even to kind of reflect back on those early formative relationships that you know really kind of help define who you are today and how you present to others in your life to love and be loved 
Yeah. You know, it's those what if scenarios that can linger, you know, from the choices that you made or choices that were made for you. This one got me really emotional. Like when he produced like the train ticket, I'll admit I was like, I was, I was in tears. But to also know that someone that you love decades prior can still hold a special place in your heart and to also then get closure is kind of a gift. And that you can also like just put those ghosts to bed and just enjoy their company with no expectation. Yeah, um, right. I love that. Yeah, you yeah, can that put was, aside the negativity. Really- and yeah, so that one really just like it stuck with me because I'm like, I, it was the second episode and I was like, Oh, I'm I'm not in the side of this conversation that I thought I would be. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Plot twist, definitely, in that one. Right. Bittersweet. You know, I think one of the things that the the, the three episodes that we kind of picked, and obviously they're vastly different for vastly different reasons, but I think, like, the common denominator is, like, I'm not sure how they are able to bottle the charm, the charisma, and the depth of story in such short episodes. Like, is excellent that a, writing is excellent that, writing right that's a fair assessment right so like the production Absolutely. writing so i think this is a good segue for us to talk about like who 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 are the they behind the bottling of this charisma and charm um mm. the series was created by john carney now he has about 25 years experience in the in the industry but i'm really not familiar with any of his other work unfortunately uh it seems to be mostly ireland and uk based Mm-hmm. There's an executive producing team as well. It includes Trish Hoffman. Uh, she worked on The Dark Tower back from like 2007, and she worked on Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, but we won't hold that one against her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then one of the producers um, of the show, his name is Todd Hoffman. I'm wondering if he's related to Trish Hoffman. He worked on The Mule with Clint Eastwood. So the three of them are like the, the, the core group, it seems, from season one and season two. So they're able to keep the continuity and somehow, like I said, just bottle the charm that like they're able to convey in anywhere from 27 to 32 minutes. Yeah. So, so you said that they're the writers or the, the creators? This is the creative team. Um, it's the creative team. And yeah, I'm definitely not surprised at all that um, the first person you mentioned. Um, I'm sorry. I'm really terrible at names. And John Carney. Yes, John Carney. I'm really... You said that he's mostly UK-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does not surprise me at all, as I do feel like, in general, um, a lot of UK production, it's just it's just a little more, like, sophisticated as far as, like, the dynamic and, and the characters. Um, and just one quick example is, like, Black Mirror, like, originally really, really interesting, yes. thought-provoking. But then as soon as Netflix picked it up and it kind of became Americanized, it's, like, more superficial. So I just always get that vibe that, like, people from not the United States, like, tend to have this natural depth to de- to them when they create something beautiful on the screen for me. No, I'll agree with that for sure. What about you, Inez? It is a different level of... of- of depth that it hits you like like i guess like in your in your, like your soul or like stimulates your brain in a different way like just the humor the humor being different so i'm not surprised to see it being like this this kind of raw storytelling a lot of my favorite movies and films and genres like are things that come from the uk and i think that i didn't really like realize like 
you know, that I did have like so much of my favorites that kind of like lean toward that. Like the Black Mirror one was very impactful on me because it was so different. And then when I started seeing the ones that had when it, you know, the later seasons that had more of like the Americanization, I could I felt like it lost a lot of the intensity. But I love like the core of like what those things were. So and I kind of feel like I do also make that connection of of the UK kind of origin. So yeah, I'm, I'm about it. I'm about it. I watch a lot of American like TV and films too. So like I need to keep, <laughs> you know, I got to keep, the, yeah. Yeah, you keep your toe in the coming. waters across the pond. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yes. I agree because so much of what I want, especially growing up, like it's like I, my parents are both from Ireland. So I didn't grow up as a typical quote, awesome. American kid. Right. So like, you know, I had to school my mom and a lot of like things that like kids birthday parties and things like that. So a lot of what I ended up watching was kind of Ireland and UK based. So much of what I like, if you give me a good period piece, like a Victorian age, something or I am all about it. Give, give me the wigs, give me the powder mm-hmm. wigs, give me the costumes, the courses, give me all of that. I enjoy Absolutely. it because there's also a nuance to the writing that yes. like, sometimes like the the humor is not necessarily in the words. It might be in the body language or the yeah. the, the omission, right? So there, there's almost like... The subtleties. Yes. You, you have to be paying attention with your mind, your eyes, and your soul in order to sort of catch on to everything that's going on. And there's something I want to talk about. I'm going to put a pin in that because I want to talk about it more in the spoiler half of this about the nuances and things like that. And now that we're talking about it in this way, that it being much more UK based, it brings that into sharper relief for me. So (laughs) anything else on the production team? We can, we can move on. I was, I was just looking, sorry, I was just looking at the production, like the writers and the directors and a lot of them are Mm -hmm. like John Carney, like did write plenty. And the second season did introduce some more writers, but the first season was Jeff definitely like those three. So I just thought that was really cool that it was, directed and written by the same person so maybe that's why it was it seems so effective um because it is the same vision right and the tone is very much the same throughout so that would make sense with that production team so with it being such a broad spectrum of appeal in terms of like well this is something that appears in the new york times so like and anybody around the world can submit um these essays for consideration for the column and then ultimately for decision on the series because they are individual stories, they're able to hit the road, so to speak, um, in terms of the story backdrops, right? So in this series, in this season, rather, we've got New York, we've got Ireland and England for sure. I didn't get too many other places kind of sticking out for me. It was, it was Ireland, I got England, and I got New York. Did you guys get anything else? Yeah, I'm looking, but that's that's really what stuck out to me. I thought there were a lot from those places. I, I happen to like the fact that they it's not all just based in New York because I, I'm from New York. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoy seeing other places, <laughs> if that that's, makes that's sense. That's a good point, yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, like, I work in lower Manhattan, so I can't tell you the number of times that, like, the streets were closed because they were filming something. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, I have to like, walk all the way You're around. Like- because you're like, I'm sorry, I'm so popular. It's not sometimes. It's not not even that I'm popular. It's just that I have to work in the financial district where everybody loves to freaking film for whatever reason. Yeah, no, your city is so popular. You are your city. No, 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 not me. I I learned through the basically the rerouting, the detouring around all of these filming crews 
the production sets and things like that. So I just, because I'm a naturally curious person, I just ask people questions. So I happened to see a Desi and Lucy door. There was one that said Desi and one that said Lucy door on like some of these trailers. And I finally, like after two or three days of seeing this every single day, I was like, Aww. I got to ask. So one of the guys who was standing outside. Yeah. So I finally asked and he was like, this is the men's and ladies, Desi and Lucy. I was like, Oh, he's like, not to like, you know, pass it along he goes but in a pinch it's the best <laughs> public it's, a, it's the best you know restroom around because it's not public i thought that was pretty funny yes very very cute all right that's kind of it i guess on the production try to keep this very very generic are we ready to do our first pass lover to leave it based on what we've given here so far and then we can yeah, dive into the spoilers galore <laughs> of course all right gabby tell me is this a love it or leave it for you I don't know, man. It takes a little bit of thought. Just kidding. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Love it. It's a masterpiece. Everybody watch it, please. <laughs> That's a resounding yes. It really yes. is. I don't need to say anything after that. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also, I'll go ahead and, and go, you know, I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, I really do feel like it's one of those shows that forces you to grow, forces you to acknowledge um, and forces you to um, have accountability of like future choices that you make when you encounter these kinds of things. And and I love how much it makes you like do self-reflection. So I think that just from that perspective, as well as it just being amazing stories, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, I'm not going to belabor this horse anymore. Like, I'm not going to beat this dead horse anymore. I love this, too. I'm here for it. The acting is quality, who they choose to to bring in, and the chemistry between them. I, it, it's like these people have been working together for seasons as opposed to 32 minutes. And as the, the part that you touched on, that this makes you do some self-reflection, I feel like this is something that people should watch in their teens, their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, and beyond to see how these things hit you differently because of the different experiences that you've had in your life. And it's really such high quality writing, high quality production. And I just don't know if there's enough eyeballs that are seeing it. So that's the part that makes me a little nervous going forward. Right. Because they're, I don't think that they have officially renewed a third season yet. I haven't seen anything on that but yeah all these stories do tell um a very interesting perspective every story has very like a variety of perspectives so yeah absolutely this is definitely one for all the ages yeah i don't even know like how much people realize that they are able to like make concrete changes in themselves from being inspired by like films and stuff i feel like i grew up always like you know, movies are always fake. So, you know, don't imitate them. And so people kind of tend to stick in their ways. But honestly, like since watching shows like Shit's Creek, what was the last one, Gabby, that we just recently watched? I loved it. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, my God. Phenomenal show. And uh, and then there's one that I'm starting to watch um, just for fun. Uh, Gabby, the marriage was- scene? Because uh, that's oh, one you should watch. Uh, it's the one where the Nicholas character does. Everybody, please like me. Please like me. Please like me. Such a great show. And I just feel like um, I just 
I don't know if it's just like in a personal epiphany where I realized like, you know, like I didn't even know that these were choices. I kept kind of biasly predicting what I think was going to happen. And it was always like this schemey kind of like thing. Like, oh, I'm so used to seeing like films and movies just kind of always go like the really drama route. That's not a way that anybody would actually behave in real life. But when I started seeing that in these kinds of shows, like it really touched me a lot. And it really made me realize that like I have learning curves. Um, I have performance gaps within myself um, as a human. Uh, and these are other choices that I now have. And I feel like these kinds of shows are very safe to be able to like explore that curiosity, explore like a part of your identity for it. So um, I don't know if that's <laughs> getting no, way too no, that's deep. Great. But. Because, it, you know, you can change your perspective, right? You can change how you think about something if you have something good to model after. And if you have something like this to model after, then why not d- dig deeper into yourself? Absolutely. It's I such agree. an enriching experience going through these stories for me. I really enjoy it for for that reason. So I just hope that like listeners out there like realize like these are real options that you can explore. And um, or even if you're just going along the ride, like these, it's just really beautiful and nice and refreshing to be able to see how to nurture human connections. Especially during this time with COVID and the lack of socialization, the lack of travel. Um, I think this is a nice way to like reintroduce yourself to the world or at least be exposed to those um, authentic experiences that I guess you can really like healthily live through vicariously. Um, Because I don't know about anyone else, but I'm still really trying to stay indoors, stay stay safe, like keep a social distance. And uh, I was a traveler. Um, I did live out and about the nomadic, beautiful life throughout the world. But um, yeah, this changed drastically once I had a little baby. And then right after that, COVID happened. So modern love has definitely like held a special place in my heart. Um, And I think it's a really appropriate time for it to be introduced to the world because um, it does give me a sense of like humanity or identity of like what my life used to be and like that helps me dream and feel like there it is possible to get this another day even if um you know covid rates aren't really decreasing but um at least these beautiful stories are coming out and about on my screen well if that isn't an endorsement for this show i don't know what is (laughs) yes there's nothing to add So what we're going to do now is we are going to head into season two deep dive. So we're going to ask you if you have not yet watched, what are you waiting for? Go watch, come back, because we don't want to ruin anything for you. But if you have watched, please continue on with us, listen, and we're going to share with you some of our, our really high highs. And if we have any lows, we'll share them with you too. And then we'll give you the final verdict on if we love it or leave it. All right, we are back now with the spoiler rich half, so we can like you know take the mouth guards off. We can take the, the best part, off, yes. And we have, I can take down my no spoilers post-it note from my computer. <laughs> and I'm going to start with. Hmm, let's see. Do we want to start with the lows, or do we want to start with the hot? Let's start with the lows. Ooh. Uh, okay. All right. So, because I mean, we just literally came off of like why we love this show so much. Right. right. So what needs improvement? (laughs) Tell me what you didn't like about this season. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I did feel like 
Oh, Megan. Okay, so I, I do feel really, really bad. I don't really know how deep I should get into this because I could really rip it apart. But I will just say that one of the episodes, one with the night girl and the day boy, like for me, that just was one of the only ones that didn't really seem like like someone's story that seemed like a, a fairy tale, something that someone made up and then like just put it into modern like life, which I don't have a problem with, but like it did take me off guard. Like that wasn't what I expected. And then I wasn't in love with the characters, like as far as depth went. So I was like a little bit kind of like flat at the end. So, and then one of the other stories, the, sorry, I, I'm not, like, spoiling enough, probably, but the story with the girl and the boy, um, I don't remember, it was episode, oh, um, um, yeah, the, the one with the high school friends, right? Four, no, the, the, yeah, yeah, episode four, where she's, like, from Cleveland and then goes to, um, like, a life Brooklyn. Plan, a life plan for two yes, followed by a one. Life plan. Yeah. Yes, so that one, I just felt like it was a bit rushed and kind of, like, superficial as far as the writing went. There wasn't enough depth for me. If I was going to pick the the low, there, wa- there wasn't a lot for me. I really enjoyed this show, and uh, Gabby and I had preliminary conversations about the night girl finds a day boy because I oh made a mistake. <laughs> I made a mistake of yeah, texting her. One. <laughs> and Maybe this say, is why I have these feelings too. Let's Let me talk. Her. Shut up. You already had your turn. It's my turn. So <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I sent her a text message to say, "Oh, I just watched this episode two. This girl reminds me of you." So Gabby, Uh-oh. it <laughs> I know that was my mistake, uh, and I did later on. Uh, we did digest it, and so. Um, <laughs> We may touch a little bit on that today, or maybe we'll just do it on our own channel. But um, she was the genuinely offended by this. So I, Gabby is the night owl. She's uh, she's kind of always had ADHD, severe ADHD. Her brain is always like on. It's always moving around. So and I'm always been like the early bird who likes to go to bed early. So I'm the day person. And Gabby in my life has always been the night girl. Um, so what I did appreciate from that specific episode was like. Like, oh, like kind of like the normalization of that. It's OK that, that there are people that exist with like the nightlife and like, they're, you know, that this way of living and existing is like a good and like legitimate way of life also. Um, so I appreciated that because I spent my whole life being like, you know, being told things like sleep at a reasonable hour, like you're being responsible if you wake up early and go to bed early and if you're the kind of person that is awake on the opposite ends like you are inherently like unorganized or unhealthy or something so I had an appreciation for for Gabby in like this way but that was totally not like because she had already formulated her thoughts and feelings about it no no I hadn't (laughs) I hadn't watched yet Oh, oh, she hadn't watched it yet. That's right. So when she went into it, like, real, like, I okay, right, absolutely. Like, okay, Inez says that this is me. So let me see. And then she's experiencing what she was like. She was just not about that life um, for her own reasons, for her own legitimate reasons that we did like digest and break down. So that was, um, I, I did clear my name from that. It was an amazing conversation. I don't know, Gabby, if you want to add anything <laughs> to that bit. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, if I am allowed, you told yes, me to go. myself, is it my allowed? Is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, 
you know, I appreciate what you said. I just, I didn't, as a night person, I didn't feel like it was totally normalizing. And that's why I kind of, like, did take a little offense to it. Because I'm like, no, people who are up at night, like, they're not just like this. Like, this rigid, like, antisocial, like, can't get it together. Yes, I was a night owl, but I also was awake during the day. I handled it. I definitely did think, like, oh, does she think this is the kind of partner that I am? Because I would absolutely not miss breakfast or brunch right and so (laughs) i was like night owl girl needs to get it done right because some of us actually do and i worked a night job in college um like an overnight job and i you know befriended those people who had the full-time jobs at night and they they were the real thing and i just felt like this was written by someone who wasn't a night owl and she wasn't a true representation of who a night owl would be and that's why i said you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get salty about this because it's a fairy tale and i just need to let it be i need to just calm down it's not about me i know this is a little off it's great great show <laughs> this one this one of the eight this one was the hardest one for me to like delayed sleep phase that she has i felt could be like a metaphor stand-in for any type of you know mental challenge or physical challenge or it could be a stand-in for anything that makes a person different And I don't know if it did a great job in highlighting the fact that you can get along in a world that you see differently. You can get along just fine. Like, I don't know if it did a good enough job for me sort of bringing that conversation because one side was very rigid. Zoe was very rigid and I tend to be more of a night owl myself, but... Uh, when I was in college, I, I worked overnight, which was a very foreign thing to me. I worked evenings, I worked days, I worked whatever that they needed. I worked in a hospital, open 24 hours. So you just have to train your body to be right. able to function in a world. So like a one-off breakfast is something that I felt was a very unfair mm-hmm. um, portrayal of like, you know, that she missed that. Like I didn't set my alarm. Well, you know what? I have six alarms set in the morning because like, that's just the kind of person I am. Like I would sleep through them all if I allowed myself to, but mm-hmm. because I need to be up and functioning in a day world, <laughs> Um, I just, I, it, it frustrated me. This, this one frustrated me because like, I felt like the conversation could have gone in a different way that would have been, I guess, a little more satisfactory to the world that I live in. I I tried to be an accepting person. I tried to be an understanding person. Uh, and as when you said that Gabby's an empath, I'm like, Oh, I feel that because, (laughs) because that's, that's who I am. So like, I felt like this one kind of missed the mark for me on a lot of, different levels and like i said because like i I looked at the delayed sleep phase when i after i watched it i was like i didn't like that and then i was like why didn't i like it and i i felt like that could have been a stand and like i said for any type of challenge that makes me different Mm -hmm. from the world yeah absolutely right i mean do you think that they meant for this to be that kind of episode though or like do you think they really just didn't hit the mark or that like it was supposed to be somewhat of a like fairy tale dreamland sort of thing because i cannot imagine a man walking carrying a sleep a girl who's sleeping like in his arms in the daylight like i just that to me was when it was like okay pure fantasy whatever yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, like, what this was intended to be. It is based on a true story. <laughs> These two people did get married. They, they did buy an apartment that had skylights so that this way the moonlight or the sunlight would shine in. 
But yeah, I just, this one for me just didn't feel as based in reality as the others. I feel right. really bad saying that because I really love this show. <laughs> yeah, well, you make me feel less bad saying it. I felt really bad and now I don't. Now I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> Good, so now we're feeling more feels. If you're feeling yeah, more, I'm more. feeling all yeah, I'm going to carry your feels. Everyone's going to know your feels. Like, mm-hmm. you should not have been disappointed. Not even a little. Not from modern love. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Sheila? What was uh, one of the least was that your low liked episodes? Yeah, that was my low. I mean, oh, look at that! Yeah. I like your brain, Sheila. Yeah, that Sorry, was my low look. because it just didn't it, it didn't hit the high notes that the other ones hit for me. The only other one I think that was a little strange, I guess, was the Adapaquin one in a waiting room full of estranged spouses. The unlikely scenario of the I'll use myself as Anna Paquin's character. The husband of the woman my husband was cheating on with, right? So for me to like be able to love that person, it just seemed a little too far-fetched for me. I was like, I just don't think at any point that that would be a reality. But, you know. Okay. That's really interesting that you did like focus more on her character because I I did like her character, but I really did follow his journey a lot more that I it may have overshadowed in my mind, like her journey. That's oh, a no, really I'm interesting. With you. I was just using I was just using her as the, the pronoun, but like the story was really about him. But I just didn't find it as I don't know believable or yeah. There was endearing moments, but it just kind of it just felt a little flat. So, Inez, tell me what your favorite episode from season two was. Do you have a favorite? I mean, are you able to glean one out? (laughs) I know it was so hard because they're so wonderful. But I will say episode one on a serpentine row with the top down with Mini Driver. Oh, my God. That one, I was in so my tear. I was just in tears. I was just like bawling. I had to like pause it and just like feel everything. Um, And that was like it was just like a really um, strong, emotion-centered love and appreciation that, like, stayed with me. And and it's just set the tone for me for, like, the whole rest of the season. Like, I I came into season two believing, like, I'm going to enjoy it because I really enjoyed the fuck out of season one. So I was here for it, and it was just, like, I felt like it was just the best opener. She was amazing. The story was amazing. I'm just gonna like ha- I'm like dumb with like words right now because I just don't even know how to like really express how impactful it was. So if I had to pick a favorite, it's it's that one, and I'm happy to digest it with you <laughs> with you guys. I um, had three separate weeping episodes in this in this like I had three different times where I was like openly sobbing watching this one episode of 29 minutes or whatever it is. So yeah, I I am with you there. What about you, Gabby? Did you enjoy? This episode, it's episode one. Yeah, I was. I don't know about three. Maybe the whole time. I maybe like. Like I'd recover. Like I'd like actively stop yeah. weeping, and then like something else would come on, and like you know, yeah, and and like two play. minutes later, and then like you know, her daughter comes home from college, and they're playing the Van Morrison tape. And like, Damn, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. goosebumps right now. Like oh. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I was crying on Spotify. Her dad had the the tape. Definitely, a few. Oh my gosh, yeah, lots of tears, lots of tears the whole time. I think the second half, I was just crying the entire time. So, 
so this is what I wanted to put a pin in because when we talked before about like the nuances and the different things, this is the episode in particular that I was thinking about because there's all of these moments where these beautiful things are happening and I'm, I'm watching the scenery go by and when the, the moment where she's in the car and she like takes her hands off the steering wheel. Like when you watch that the first time, yeah. it's so moving. It's so impactful. You're feeling all the feels with her at this point. And then upon a second watch, I came back. I'm like, you dummy, you've been there. Like I've been on that road that she was driving on. That's the Wicklow mountains in Ireland. I've been there, oh. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like you have to really like hook, line and sinker invest yourself in this because you're going to miss the beautiful scenery that's, you know, she's driving through and they take these big sweeping steps back. I'm like, damn, like you dummy, you were there. <laughs> I should go back and watch all of these episodes again. So it was this just, is, yeah, this yeah. is what I was watching when I texted in the, the Twitter chat going like, I'm sobbing again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I have it. I know that uh, it took us a while to like schedule time for us to record this because I was just like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't binge it. I could only handle one episode at a time because it's just so strong and I need to digest it. You know, it, it's the I love shows like that where it is bingeable. But if you like really are going to immerse yourself in it, it's so nice to be able to just like have like spread that kind of like experience across time like in in your in your life it it was just wonderful but this one stuck with me this one was so impactful on me that I did wait a little longer before I watched the next one because I was like I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm ready for like another three days of like mourning I think it's because you know my husband is my best friend right so we have a lot of really amazing conversations and uh, so Gab- Gabby is actually my half sister. So my mother, my biological mother passed away when I was a toddler. So I don't have any memory of it, but I kind of just grew up with this expectation that like one parent is going to inevitably like not exist in my daughter's life. So I kind of always had this weird lingering anxiety around me, like worried, like I'm going to be the parent that like disappears from her childhood as she grows up with only one because that's like what I knew that was the expectation that I had and then when you see it in all of the Disney films all of the Disney movies it's always like the mom that's like dead Um, and the child that has to you know the children that have to like exist without them so it was super emotionally connected to me because I just always have play these scenarios in my mind is like, what is Anya's and Steven's existence going to be when I'm gone, not if I'm gone. And then I would feel this like really immense, like sadness and this really like strong fear. And then, you know, experiencing this story where it, actually did happen and how did they like go on to exist and live and connect um you know and survive after that incident and everything so that perspective um was helpful was really meaningful for me i just loved how much love 
like she still had for for him and also could experience life anew, right? Remarried a really great supportive husband who was a really great supportive stepfather to her child. They seemed to all really love each other. And he understood. He was so great with her about her feelings that she had been holding on to all this time about her car and like how it just concluded and he went and got the car back and after he sold the boat and was just like, I get it, I'm here for you. And like preserve that, just preserve that immense amount of love that we all grew to have for her to her husband. And that to me was very comforting because I was I never got that far in the scenarios that I would play in my mind where I just knew I was going to be the one gone and how it, how is Steven how are Steven and Anya going to survive that how am I going to survive if like this happens to Steven because we are really amazing friends and we have a lot of love for each other and us three are really close knit and so it tore me up and then it like stitched me back together and I think that's why like episode one was the best of the season yeah I really loved 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 the title I think it's so perfect so subtle I love how they built up the um, car's importance in the story. It was very subtle all throughout. And I mean, one thing I do want to say is, Inez, I absolutely like disagree with you. I think that about like the binging of this, I absolutely binge this. And every single time I watch it, I binge it. And when I rewatch one, I rewatch the next three ones after that. Because <laughs> it's like a lot of feels and I'm just crying and I'm out. I'm out for those hours and that's just life. But anyway. <laughs> um, Respect. Yeah, but no, like one red flag. Well, not a red flag, but one thing like when I rewatched it, I noticed is that like they do have subtleties throughout the story where um, like the husband... The stepfather says, like, oh, you could have sold this car five times already. Like, he just said a couple of little things. Like, they really, she, in the beginning, like, seems like it was not a big deal of selling the car. And you're kind of, like, lost, but following the story that you're enjoying and you don't totally know why. And so the buildup of the importance and that conversation that they were finally having in the bed when, like, she did express herself, the fact that they were able to communicate effectively as, like, adults was really... um, Yes, I love yeah. And that he was the same, right? He's the same. Yeah. He had a, his broken teacup of his mother's. And he's, the, he's yeah. essentially the same as her. That is really, really beautiful. Um, but, like, so one thing is that, like, I guess what made it special for me was that um, I did notice her talking in the car, like, in the beginning and, and all throughout. Um, and it actually did remind me of um, before I had a baby. I know I have half siblings, um, but they were older than me. They were out of the nest, like a lot like sooner than I was. And I'm also on the spectrum and we didn't know it. And so I definitely like had that like isolated life. I mean, she mentioned that like she works hard not to mope around the kids. And so like she did mention that she was constantly masking. And so that's how that's what I identified with. And I was like, yeah, my car was my happy place. I absolutely talked to myself all of the time in my car. I had full-blown conversations exactly like her, but 
it wasn't like with my dead husband. It was just with like myself, my future self, my my true self. And so I didn't see anything weird by that, which is interesting. Like that, I, I that that wasn't a flag for me until the very end, where I was like, "Oh, that's really sweet that she is talking to her husband." Whereas, like, I guess going back to what Sheila was saying is like everyone can watch this at a different point in their lives, and it means something different. I felt like when I was watching it, it did take me immediately back to like my adolescent years. But then when I watched it in the lens as like the parent, obviously it was different. But that is interesting that it can be the same year it can be the same week and I watched it two different times but like because of completely being able to process as like you know my young self and then I rewatched it again and I was able to like see it as like as a partner and as a mother um no it was it's it was a very beautiful dynamic story and of course the entire time she's on her last ride I was I was bawling uncontrollably and I do every single time and I will forever (laughs) When she's in the car and she's, it was the final ride and she like looks over and she says, I'm selling it and it's breaking my heart. I was just like, okay, that was the second open weeping. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And how much she's able to convey with just her facial expressions is, it, it, it's, yeah. it's not lost on me because she was conveying complete conversations of things that she couldn't say about the masking and her not being able to fully process the death of her first husband and using this car maybe as her security blanket her crutch whatever it ended up being but it wasn't it wasn't having a negative impact on her life Mm -hmm. but just being able to convey so much with just like a pleading eye look was just this was like a master class in acting for mini driver just just her if we saw nothing but her face the entire episode i think we would be just fine as well exactly because she's just able to convey so much and just the raw honesty that she comes out with finally when she's like i you know i don't want to sell the car and here's why because i i keep a sweater in plastic in the back of the closet and i can take it out and sniff it and he's here with his arms around i was just like Oh my God, like, how do you get any more honest than that? And the fact that her husband met her where she was at emotionally, as opposed to being threatened, which is, you know, a typical, I'm sorry, I don't mean to generalize, like, that's not fair, but like, just like unexpected. Yeah, someone who is being maybe blindsided with something like this isn't going to be in such a calm emotional state. Whereas he's been like undercover the same way the whole time, and he's on to her. He, in the best way possible, he mm-hmm. knows. And when he tells her, "Your heart is the biggest place I've ever been in in the world," and just to be part of that, he's welcome for it. It was just such a beautiful telling of a story of of people who can find love again. Who, if they could open up their hearts after being so gutturally ripped open. If you can find it, your place to allow that in again, I, I think this is a really good story to say that, like, don't close yourself off. You know, the world's not over. You still have a long life to live and you have a lot of love to give. And I just enjoyed just being in these moments with them. Yeah. And also um, really feeling not just the love, but the respect between the two of them. I think that's yep. what was really unique and um just I guess the most like eye-opening part right because even if you love somebody you can still like be hurt and show that hurt to the other person but this was just pure respect for another adult and appreciation and that's that's a person like on another level 
I don't know what else there is to say about this episode. This was the first one, and it hit such a high note that I almost felt bad for every episode that came after it because it's <laughs> such a high bar. It's rather it set such a high bar that I'm not entirely sure anything else comes close to this level of emotionality, this level of you know making you see, feel, hear, smell all of the things that are going on. Interesting. So is this your favorite then? It is my favorite, but because I had a feeling that this was going to be a favorite, I have a second favorite. (laughs) (laughs) What is your second favorite? Just just to give us something else to talk about. I love talking about all of these, so let's we can have all the favorites. Go for it. So for me, I well yes. So the honest serpentine robe with the top down, but I'm going to say like the the one that kind of came in right under it was the strangers on a Dublin train. Yes. The Kit Harrington, Lucy Boynton episode. Um, Yes. Yes. So this one, I legit, I had to, I'm going to be 100% honest, spoiler alert. I had to go looking for how this one resolved. I had to go looking for the essay because I needed to know, it was so open-ended. You know, they just, it pans back to like, you know, lovely Dublin town. I'm like, oh no, no, this, this is not. How? (laughs) What? Tell us. So, there was an interview in Esquire magazine with the column writer. Her name is Cecilia Passau. And her essay in the New York Times is only 11 sentences. Mm, so the okay. production team had, they, they took a lot of liberties. Instead of being across Ireland, it was actually Paris to Barcelona, something like a six hour train ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, they took liberties. They, they put this in from six hours down to two hours across Ireland. You know, so they, they took some liberties, which I'm fine with because I just enjoyed this episode so, so much. This one, I felt, took itself the least seriously. And I think that might have been part of the allure for me. What I mean by that, too, is that like when uh, Kit Harrington's character, Michael, he's trying to explain to his brother what Paula's studies in middle middle. I can't say that word. Medievalism. Medievalism. Yeah, their medievalism is about he's like, so like what Game of Thrones and then Michael, you know, throws back this look, and it's just priceless. It's just the, when they're on the train, there's this swirly fanfare as they get off the train. They're in the station, and instead of touching Elba, um, I'm sorry. So instead of giving a kiss, he's like, "I really want to kiss you." And she's like, "Probably not, given the circumstances." They give just like a little, like such a 2020 elbow shake because they're talking about coronavirus. Like things were starting to shut down in February and early March of last year. And Even though they were sitting across from each other the whole right. time, not wearing masks. No, not wearing masks and things like that. But, uh, you know, we didn't know anything last year. We we were such summer children last year. We had no idea. Right. They, they only thought it was going to be two right. weeks long. They thought it was only going to be two weeks long. And I like the fact that they didn't say what it is. It just says all this. They just they never referenced a coronavirus, a COVID, a pandemic. It was just yeah, so... keeping us back in our safe little bubble. Right. We're just enjoying the story. But there was all this like swirly fanfare as they're on the platform and they're talking about like when they're going to meet. And it was such a a sleepless in Seattle, like a fair to remember, you know, we're going to meet here in two weeks at the train station, the first one. So I just like the fact that this one didn't take itself so seriously. I like the fact that it was such a a basic plot line that they were able to basically run with it in, in any kind of direction that they wanted to. So the columnist who wrote it, she didn't actually put in how it ended, which is essentially why they didn't perfect perfect yes yes so they 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 didn't exchange numbers they didn't do anything like that i don't know do i tell you how it ended how like what happened 
Like, yeah, of course. Yes. He, found, he yes. found her on Twitter a couple of weeks later when, when they realized that their March 28th deadline had come oh, and gone. He somehow found out. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag, you know, coronavirus sucks. But yeah, it just, it, she sort of kind of like fizzled out. Like it, the connection was there, but it wasn't necessarily like as deep and meaningful, I guess, as Kit Harrington and Lucy Boyd. Very good. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I, I needed some answers. I, I very much, like, as much as I love the rom com stuff, I'm still very much rooted in reality. So, <laughs> <laughs> I You're like, it's, it's not a happy ending. I, I won't believe it. I need answers. Um, yeah, so I just really enjoyed this one. I thought there was, this had that same kind of like charm that so much of like season one had. And for me, it was like a really high, high point of the season as well. Like, I mean, nothing is going to touch Mini Driver's episode. I'm sorry. Like, the Emmy should oh, go no, to well her. Well talked. You well know, talk. <laughs> the Emmy should go to her for sure, I feel. Yeah, but this one for me, it, uh, it was as enjoyable and it was it didn't like i guess it was a palate cleanser coming off of mini drivers episode yeah <laughs> because that one it was very hard to get through especially the first time and then the second time i was just weeping more i was just i noticed the wicklow mountains but i was just weeping more but this one for me was really <laughs> just yeah the, it didn't have such a serious tone about it it was irreverent it was, it, it, it was poking fun at itself even within um the when they're on the train and like there's a, a song that comes on like we think it's the soundtrack it's actually the guy behind them singing about a meat cute yeah. <laughs> so on Spotify there is there's a playlist that they have put out they put out an album of modern love so like I was listening to meat cute right before like when I was trying to find Inez's email to send the links out I'm like oh my god this is a real thing so that's so cool yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, so that was my, I would say that's my, my second favorite, because I, I had a feeling that the Serpentine Road one would come in as a top one. Well, I love that you said that, because that was actually my favorite, but because I thought it might be a favorite, I have a second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but real it's quick, you let me go first. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. This is perfect. No, but real quick, I just wanted to add um, the reason like I loved this one so much was because um, his character, I really related with it. He's the romance, the transparency, the wearing your heart on the sleeve, um, the, the things he actually did. Like I've done that. Like I've had that long conversation with someone on the train. I've like had the misconnections. I've gone to a place and searched for somebody like I've done all of this, but that's why I love that it didn't give an ending because my endings were a lot sadder. I never found them. I never found my people, those those missed connections from those real moments. So I get to like talk and think and reminisce about the ones that got away and now like I like I learned from those experiences and now like I definitely am, you know, way more straightforward like definitely get people's information like I go for it because I've had those experiences like him like that soppy romantic bullshit that he offered that's me and so I loved that they didn't tell me what happened at the end because I'm like I'm just gonna dream that he found her and they lived happily ever after and then you look it up and of course that's not what happens because reality sucks Sheila (laughs) that's why we need to live in I feel like my (laughs) but he was camped out he was ready to he was putting in the long hours for her yeah and I was like I would do the same 
same thing. I would 100% do the same thing, but, like, I would expect never to find her because I never did find my guys. But, no, I was I was really, really excited and hopeful that, like, my ending is... I'm, I'm big on, like, the open imp- interpretation ending, so that's why that's definitely, like, one that got me. Open interpretation ending plus, like, little romantic man over there. But anyway, my... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ines. No, I I think that that's really interesting that you, like, you're probably one of the few people that I know personally that has that kind of, like, story, you know, the one who got away, like, doing that. And Gabby is, like, a hopeless romantic, like, since forever. Aww. She's just, like, super romantic. And so, like, I tend to have been, like, the sister that was deemed, like, lacks emotion. But I'm, like, super sensitive. But, like, Gabby is, like, a whimsical romantic, like, just feels and thinks, like, really big. And, I'm, and a like, and I'm a Pisces. I'm a Pisces Pisces. <laughs> yeah that's right but what drew me to this episode why i enjoyed it for the same reasons that um that sheila you you were saying right it was fun it was lighthearted, and so to me i was like on it for the ride i was all about the fairy tale and he like oh my god i hope that he like does find her and it and it did turn out to be you know this thing so i sound it sounds like between me and <laughs> me and you guys like I was really rooting that I was going to get a good solid like fairy tale ending <laughs> on you this. Did. You it did. wasn't Same. it That's wasn't why I even searching. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, even an option. I, I I'm like disappointed now that I know. I'm glad that I know, but like not for like the reason like for you guys it's like validation. Like we knew that this like was gonna be like a typical real life thing and I'm like, no Wait, like, no, I, was, I reject I, I have a plot twist for you. Plot <laughs> I was like she I didn't. liked being on the seat of, you know, on the edge of my seat, like waiting to see what was going to happen. All right. So I got a plot twist for you. So because I went looking for answers, right, I, I got the best answer possible. She didn't actually tell him that this was picked up by Amazon, that their story was picked up for the season. Oh, so I don't know if that's going to change the dynamic, because that to me sounds like a fairy tale. Like he's sitting there watching Amazon one day and he's just like, hey, wait a second. This sounds awful oh familiar. Yeah. Hit me up on my Twitter DMs. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. That's uh, that is funny. That is funny. Maybe I'm just going to blame like technology from like taking the romance away. (laughs) So, Gabby, what was your favorite episode? Okay. Besides the train. Well, because I know it's what it's not. I know it's not uh, the second one there. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Zoe and her (laughs) night boy. (laughs) Her night boy, that's funny. No, um, it's definitely the finale, which was called A Second Embrace with Hearts and Eyes Wide Open. Yes, my Tobias Menzies, the one I wasn't sure about watching. You mean later. you mean my Tobias Menzies because I <laughs> so love sorry. him so sorry. <laughs> all of the time. You you like are hot and cold for this wonderful man, but I I really really loved. Like I'm loyal. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> um, so I watched too much Outlander and Crown back to back, so I, I needed a little. I needed a Tobias Menzies palate cleanser, and this delivered. Because this reminded me. This reminded me of a what Brutus? a great of what a great actor he is yeah yeah so So, i'm so sad because i didn't like write a lot of notes on this but no i mean there were there were so many so many feelings so many emotions it was it was short it was incredibly powerful like i really appreciated how realistic it was but also this was a huge like romanticized one as well like she has cancer his wife has cancer like there was so much realistic like 
realism in this where like you have two people who love each other but they just can't be together like whether it's timing you know there's like all of the reasons in the real world that make things difficult in a relationship but I mean I just really appreciated how like at the same exact moment I was feeling deep despair but like intense love so I was just being pulled in both directions the entire time and so finally at the end I mean the fact that she has cancer but like when he talks to her the way that he supports her none of that mattered they didn't even talk about it I don't even know if they even like said the word cancer like more than a couple of times or if at all I don't even remember but I really should have counted I just I really loved that it really hit uh hit the mark with like um you know your diagnosis like isn't it's not the end like people with cancer people with a diagnosis like still can live full lives and he did an amazingly beautiful like supportive job at um like I guess, reminding her and and helping her maintain her identity. I know that that's like what happened with the first episode with Minnie Driver and her husband. But this one to me was like, it was more intense because you had those two young girls. They weren't together, but they do share the love. Like it was just so many like push and pull. So for this one, I actually was weeping like more of the time than the very first one. The first one was like more endearing. This one was just like this is when you gutted me. You took my heart out. You just like stuck a bunch of different stuff in it, stitched it back up, put it inside of me and I was like feeling grateful but also intense pain because of everything that just happened. So I definitely absolutely think that the last one was a really beautiful note to really end things. This one was very strong. I will agree with that. This one, yeah, this one, I was openly weeping as well. Um, for <laughs> sure. This one I, fo- I thought was really special because it shows how they were able to overcome the differences of what drove them apart, right? So when she's talking to her friend, you know, she said that he was always like, a, uh, her friend actually says like, oh, you needed a man, but you got, you married a besotted boy. Mm-hmm. And then this show, this episode shows like he was actually there all along, but he, he just had to grow into the man that she needed him to be. And it took this really cathartic moment for him to rise to that occasion. And so, like, Mr. Wonderful for her was there all along, but she just needed to, like, push and pull. Yeah, like, push and pull in the right ways. And unfortunately, the push and pull was her diagnosis. And then he was just there, you know? But it also proves to me that friends with benefits always gets messy. Someone always develops feelings. (laughs) No, feelings were always there. No feelings developed. They were always there. Yeah, but it got got messier for him, I feel like. She was definitely like feeling... It usually goes that way. Yeah. Yeah, it usually does go with the boys being a little more emotional with that. What about you, Inez? What did you think about it? It was an amazing episode. Also, openly bawling on this um, for, you know, for some of the reasons that I mentioned earlier, right? Um, You know, being a a child who lost her parent to That's what I thought you were going to really resonate with. So, yeah. yeah. So, so in in my perspective, I was just kind of paying attention a lot to, like, how the children are being, like, managed or getting through it. And I really loved it. I loved the dynamics of how... They were participating and, and the how like he did step up and was and it wasn't just being the fun parent that the, the parent that gets to be a fun like he was being he, he was stepping up and what he needed to be and then just like watching the girls figure out like how this is going to work like, 
you know, how, how they get, like, reintroduced the idea of them kind of being together and separate, like, how they just kind of, like, managed around the child's, like, experience around them was interesting to me just because I, it made me reflect, like, I wonder how I was managed when I was a child. But then just kind of rethinking it over and just kind of, the, and just the story of what it is, it was just this really beautiful story and I really liked how they did show uh, his growth because I feel like every time that we get introduced to a story where you know parents you know are separated and it's typically is like the the mother figure that is the one that steps up the most and the reason why these couples split because of lack of growth or presence or responsibility from the male figure uh, in the picture, like this is a common story that we see in these, and they're and it's always like people don't change. Gabby and I, we have conversations on this about people don't change. People can't change, but actually, like when can they change? What is the circumstance to show that they can change? Like what are what are the contributing factors to that? And it was really nice to see that they welcomed and and allowed her to like embrace and ride the change. I liked how she established very clear boundaries with him in this new relationship and she, and um and she let like the new factual data of of her experience with him kind of keep driving the decisions around how they were able to like reestablish trust and rapport. So that's just kind of like growth and dynamic where it wasn't this constant like bickering back and forth there wasn't him getting like a younger hot like new stepwife or whatever or you know like none of like this extra drama so it was just the authenticity of this unit and i don't know it was just really beautiful but i I, definitely looked at it more on like the the kid side and then just the love story side i I was romanticizing it i i will admit well i don't think that he ever changed i think he just grew um as sheila said earlier like he was always there but like again he was always there he just like he didn't think that that's what she wanted but he had like prepared he was wanting to be with her the entire time he just like grew into himself and i don't really think that the moment of his like turnaround was when she um had a diagnosis i think he always always loved her but he did find this opportunity where like he knew that she was very vulnerable and like this would ensure a security for her like I do think that he was really selfless in a lot of this but also I mean that's a lot of responsibility to carry and I don't think that someone could just change into being someone who would be willing to do that I I definitely saw his character as someone who was just like realized he made a mistake like he sucked and was immature like we know that happens a lot with men (laughs) but like he was kind of just staying on the sidelines because that's what she wanted and whatever that dynamic meant for them like is what he was happy with like he wasn't going to push it I guess like my my um definition of change is inclusive of growth so like seeing like his growth and development like to me that is change and I think that we tend to kind of differ on on that but you're right in I do also feel like his his who he is to a core like his um, his moral center, um, who he wants to be, like the things that drive that drive him and give him purpose, like are compatible with her. He just he was was underdeveloped as a parent because they yeah. did say that they did get along really well as like lovers as partners, but just the kids complicated things. Right. It yeah, took him true. being able to make some homemade pizzas for her to start seeing that he was changing, that he was growing. 
because there was this moment where they, he, they, she was talking to the girls about um, going to their dads and like, you know, what kind of food does he make and stuff like that. And she assumed that right. it was takeaway. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's homemade pizzas. Dad makes them. And like, it was just a very subtle, again, this, I'm going to come back to that British writing that's very subtle, that's very mm-hmm. nuanced. And for her, it's almost like you can see the wheels turning in the back of her head going, huh, he never made homemade pizzas here. You know, it was always just a quick thing about takeaway. So, like, there is some evolution that we see going on in her mind. And I think some of it, too, is that she needed to see that he had changed, that he had grown and he had stepped into this role that she basically needed him to be. Yeah, he became an exceptional dad. And that's really great. And the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I love, like, the respect on how that they had for each other. excuse me on how they executed like the story and the conversations and everything like it was just really beautiful to watch it was i think this one was like my second favorite episode of the season right the way they went through the logistics of things i think it was intentional too because they spread out the emotional gut punchers right so you had the mini driver episode as the very first one and you had this one as the the finale right you could not have plunked this in the middle and there have the rest of us be okay. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like how they, they kind of broke it up. So like the, the episode on the train was towards the middle. It was like the third or fourth episode, right? So you had your troughs and valleys in terms of emotionality. But I think this ended on a really high note, having this episode, um, this second embrace uh, episode as the last one because it was so so guttural it was such a like a, a, a way that you you haven't really looked at people before um, because you don't normally have like these cataclysmic events that would happen that in, in this moment in time where you would need like a thunderbolt to like wake somebody up whereas like she just needed this to happen in order for her to see him for who he really is or who right. he's really become but I think it's one of these minutes where we can like take a step back and be like, hey, maybe if I've been too harsh on this person in my life, maybe I can maybe look on them mm-hmm. with softer eyes yeah, and have that, that reflection. That's a really good point, yeah. These were like some really great episodes that we covered. And uh, man, we, I know that we can go on forever on mm-hmm. all of these episodes in here. But I, I just wanted to ask you guys, you know, in the end of season one, we kind of got to see this piece at the end of the last episode where they kind of wove in each other's presence in the same like world. Mm-hmm. And I know I don't believe we had that here in no. season two. And I wanted I to know if you guys... <laughs> What, yeah, oh my god, you, you are so of? funny, Sheila. I've been looking for it because I was like, wait a second. Because I, I, when it first happened at the end of um, yeah, episode 8 in season 1, I was like, wait, did something happen to my... I thought something happened to the playback. I'm like, I'm not back <laughs> right? in the first episode. Like, what just happened? And I was like, oh, I see what's happening. But yeah, I just thought that was a really nice way to sort of weave the stories together. But I didn't see that for the end of season 2. But I was okay with it because... This one couldn't have shared the limelight with anyone else, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah, I kind of went back and forth about like what I missed about not having it and what what was okay with. And it was kind of like each story was so like strong and impactful and had its own impression that it's enough. So the it's 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 enough and it's a really great spot 
um, to just kind of like leave things. But I did all I what I do like about having that last like interwoven element in is just the vast reminder that all of these existences are literally happening in our lives right now every day. Like people are all living these little adventures and stories, but we're all like living in the same world, right? Like. I see my neighbor who like lives in the apartment unit across from me that look, every time I come in, you know, from the parking lot and I don't know anything about them, but like they have like an existence and lives and like conversations and and stuff, right? And so I just always wonder like I wonder what people like what about, what do my neighbors like think about me and like right. me and Steven and Anya in that. And so in that aspect like I, it's kind of just a nice reminder to everybody to that, ask your neighbors about their lives. You know, there's, or just like maybe look around a little bit maybe yeah ask questions get to know people like feel your surroundings get that human connection back right yes but I really wanted because this reminded me of the episode 7 the how do you remember me and I think this is like a really beautiful um, like example of that because even even a short amount of time like can make a huge you know impression on you and then in a moment you can like relive all of these things like because that's what the episode seven was about yeah i actually wanted to note that there's sort of like a final thought kind of a thing i wanted to note that episode because it was very unusual because the actual present day part of the story occupies less than five minutes yeah maybe less than five minutes it's all flashback Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and the different perceptions of mm-hmm. how an event happens because I always say like I was a manager for years in healthcare and it's just like listen I need the three versions of the truth I need your version I need that person's version and I need the actual truth of what actually happened because mm-hmm. there's yours his and the actual truth so that's where I feel like we could almost use like a third view to see like what actually happened because we saw it was confusing at first because of like wait I just saw that oh wait no now, now there's something different So I really liked how this shows, you know, the different version of events and how our perceptions could be off. And are we open enough to see maybe the fault in what we did or said or the role that we played in a certain activity? You know, (laughs) it, it just goes back to showing like that there are different perceptions and the role that I played maybe in a conversation and the way that I retell it may not be exactly how it, it went down. It's my perception of it. So uh, this, this one really gave me a minute's pause to be like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, you know, I loved it. Maybe, maybe th- I don't remember things exactly the way that it went down because of the turmoil that I might've been experiencing in that moment. I mean, what this episode shows the, the turmoil with his father's health and he's really uncertain if he's going to live or die. Most of our in, in, encounters are not so drastic, but it does beg the question, like, you know, how are you perceiving somebody in the moment? Like, what's what's coloring your view? I, I just love the fact that at the end, they didn't need to stop and talk. It was just a smile and this lingering glance was like enough for them to remember the impact that they had on each other. And I think that they needed that time in order to change that perception. It was such a great episode. I really loved that reflection on events and how it's just a little bit different. Um, It took me a little bit to kind of realize what they were doing. And once I got it, it was just wonderful to, to experience. 
it reminds me a lot of my conversations with Gabby. It's kind of like how Gabby and I got to start like rekindling our friendship and, and relooking at how we interact because we lived through the same experiences, but we walked away in de- with independent thoughts of what that went through. So now as adults, as we're having those um, having those conversations and picking out certain topics or picking out the, the movies or films or whatever, it is like nothing like or there's some stuff that's like that is like very closely aligned but the key perception is like key for like a certain trajectory that her like life went on and now just kind of reflecting and seeing it also gives me an opportunity to learn what it's like to process information like in her perspective and then she's also getting the chance to do the same so that was incredibly interesting about this episode it was a great one it's a good call out i'm glad we're talking about it yeah i definitely felt we needed to talk about this one just as a note because it is such a different take on something that we all experience yeah every single day uh without even realizing it and that's why yeah it was definitely the honorary one i wanted to mention but um just for a little bit of background information um the trajectory inez is talking about like was really dramatic like inez and i didn't speak really to each other for like over a decade so oh my goodness these moments yeah like we are really really rekindling it was really the autism um discovery that like helped Inez view me in a different lens like no I'm not being like um I'm not being what is it like I don't even know and I'm, I'm I've just always been perceived as so or... many negative things no I'm not being like aggressive or an, apparently a narcissist or like the things that I'm saying do sound like they are just honest like I am being transparent sometimes someone can be transparent and be honest and like there's a lot in there like yes I do have emotions you know because my emotions are delayed um I, I, I cope in different ways. I express myself in different ways. Like, that's things that now I realize, like, I, I can't control and I'm learning that about myself. But once Inez realized that there was a diagnosis to me is when I think she thought, no, I'm not just a bad person trying to, like, make everyone around me feel bad. That's a really, really big deal. So when I was watching like this, it's like, yeah, I did feel really... Uh, like I could relate with it a lot because well at first when I saw the difference in the freaking perceptions I was like oh great great I already know what's coming this is gonna be horrible like for me just because yeah it did remind me of a lot of conversations I had with Inez recently when finally I was like okay like this is a hard topic let's let's get on it she gives me her perspective I gave her mine and then we we met somewhere like that's how we're able to be having these conversations now. And so I thought, okay, great. Like I'm about to experience that on this show that I love, like, what's it going to do to me? But then I absolutely loved that. It was a beautiful story um, between these two people, like the person who's like father, like died or had the heart attack. Like he really was supported like that. His, um, like one night stand or new friend, like really was a perfect person for him to like have been with in that moment and it is really sad seeing both perspectives how like the friend like was very supportive and really like open and and trying to um like be there for him and then the other person because he was like full of anxiety he didn't perceive it at that he perceived it as like being aggressive or whatever like i really felt like that dynamic was directly like inez and me whereas like maybe i thought i was doing something really helpful but then she thought i was just being just too much at that moment i just needed to get give space whatever and so i i really really 
absolutely like loved and connected with this because of what you said like we all experience this every single day and then like yeah like a moment can change the complete trajectory of someone's lives and it did seem like these two people were totally totally compatible and like maybe if they came back around like it would work because sometimes the timing is just not right sometimes someone has too much anxiety their their head is just not in the right like with has the right lens like they're just going through things that they need to process and so I guess what made me feel better was that like yeah I felt like Inez and I had that but instead of well I thought like our relationship would just be like that like you see each other you care about each other and you don't talk to each other but it was kind of my happy ending that I'm like oh my god that's wonderful like I don't even need to see the happy ending in the show because like I feel like I'm living the happy ending now so this one was very very special to me for that reason oh that's so like sweetie to hear um i didn't realize like we haven't talked about this episode specifically but <laughs> i love you gabby um yeah it was like it was here, awesome like, witnessing this beautiful moment <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome thank you for allowing me to be part of that you know that conversation so thank you yeah yeah it, it was um absolutely i w- i had i have to acknowledge you know i spent a lot of time my whole life having a lot of anxiety that went unchecked and a lot of education about mental illnesses or mental wellness that i didn't have and that impacts i now realize like now how much that really impacts on how we experience conversations and interactions with other people so um i think that is also why like uh, this whole series as a whole it makes it so important I think that kind of brings us to the final love it or leave it designation. <laughs> so, Gabby, give me your final verdict on this. <laughs> Why should somebody check this out or not? We have a spectrum of emotions. And mm-hmm. as a human being, we have to experience all of those emotions. That's just that's just how life works. And I love it. And everyone needs to watch it because you will feel that whole spectrum of emotions you need to go on that ride your life needs it love it watch it (laughs) mic drop fantastic inez (laughs) i'm let me pick up this microphone real quickly that she dropped um (laughs) (laughs) no absolutely agree um with gabby a thousand percent and with this is definitely a love it series. Um, I feel like if you really immerse yourself and go in there with an open mind and ready to participate in the emotional ride that they've created for you, um, you will leave each episode um, just a, a little bit more developed of a human. So that for that that's that's important enough. So I'm gonna drop my mic and then hand it back over to you, Sheila. Oh, I caught it. Thanks so much because, you know, Ooh, there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than a, a dropped mic for a sound engineer. They're expensive. They are. I know every sound engineer I know have ever known in my life to like, yeah, mic drops. They're like, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much those things cost exactly? This is definitely a love it for me. Um, it made me feel all the feels, even the episodes that maybe I didn't love so much. It still made me feel things and it still, you know, was fodder for conversation for us. Some of the things I really enjoyed about the show were the details, the nuances, some of the things that we talked about here. There's such raw emotional energy. It pulls no punches. I said this before, the themes, they resonate. It doesn't matter what age you are. There's things that are going on in your life that have gone on in your life. Either you've experienced firsthand or you've helped somebody out through something similar just watching this, it just makes me feel that those those incidences, those feelings, those ev- those events that have happened, you're not alone. 
there's people out there that are feeling the same things that are going through the same things, maybe with a difficulty, maybe that they have expressing some of their, their feelings there, there's challenges there, but it just reminds you that you are part of this like human fabric. There's a human connection to be made at any point. And it could be something as simple as, you know, a smile to somebody on the street or something much more in depth that this is just a reminder that we're here for each other, that we're here to love each other, that we're here to talk to each other. If it's about a TV show, whatever it ends up being, but you are here for each other. This show just encapsulates so many emotions. Just grab the tissues and get ready for like some real big, ugly cries. And that's, that's a love it for me. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, and uh, I do have like a one kind of um, question for you guys. Assuming that we that the show can get renewed for season three, which I really hope that it it does, um, what are future stories that you would like to see represented? I mean, I can go first since I kind of like put people on the on the spot here. It's unprompted. Look at us. I know. Winging um, it. <laughs> um, but uh, so I kind of would like to see um, more diverse diverse selection of countries. Or yes. represented. That would be my main it. thing. Um, and just also just highlighting just the diversity within relationships even further. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot further that can be explored in terms of, of modern love. Like there's, I would love to see, yeah, more diverse couples, maybe from other countries as well. Like, like give me, give me something in Japan. Give me something in India. Give me a polyamory, like, success story. Yeah, but give me, like, a big love. (laughs) Yeah. No, I also, I mean, um, for me, it would be, like, give me some neurodivergent people. Like, I mean, we did have an episode on bipolar last season, but I think autism I'd like to see up there. And also high-functioning autism, because I think everyone has a kind of a perception of what people on the spectrum are like and what they aren't capable of but i would i would really love this to um yeah represent all of the superpowers that all, all of the subcategories right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that the all the superpowers the subcategories have to offer all right well we hope that there is a season three and guess what if there is a season three there is a high probability that we will be back to talk about it So I want to thank you all for listening today to this Love It or Leave It for Modern Love from Pod Clubhouse. We have Gabby with us today and we have Inez. So I'd like for you guys to just tell us where people can find you on Twitter. Aspie anything. Aspie underscore anything. It's spelled A-S-P-I-E underscore anything spelled out. A-N-Y-T-H-I-N-G. And how about you, Inez? Uh, we're partners on that one, so that's where that's where I'll I'll probably be posting more from. I know that I've had my uh, my Neasy Thinks is the the one I've been introduced here on Pod Clubhouse, but uh, I'll be partnering up with Gabby and working primarily out of the Aspie Anything. Um, I think that uh, you know just to kind of match our our theme of what we're trying to do, uh, the show is stop by and Aspie Anything, and as we just have conversations of of these experiences and perspectives on how we you know are rekindling that friendship so that's where you'll find us yeah pun puns are intended and um the way to move forward is through like asking questions and answering them honestly so we look forward to your podcast when that comes out for sure 
You can find me on Twitter. I'm Shields McGangster. And you can find Pod Clubhouse on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on all the things at Pod Clubhouse. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again here soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.